Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. I've been talking to a ton of operators recently, and one of the big issues people are facing right now is a labor shortage in the restaurant industry. A lot of people during COVID left the industry completely when they lost their jobs temporarily. Um, and so when you're in a tight labor market, then what you have to do is A, you got to work harder to find those people, but B, you have to invest in systems that make people more efficient, allow them to do more, and also systems that are going to help get people productive quicker once you do find them, because we have to do more with less and we have to do it faster. The Ops Analytica operations management platform can guide employees through the steps that they have to do to do their jobs every day. We can make them productive faster. We can hold them accountable uh, to doing what they're supposed to do. And we can get them on the floor faster than spending a ton of time and money trying to get them to memorize what to do. We can just guide them through what they need to do. So check us out, opsanalytica.com and get a demo. You will not regret it. Hey there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. It's Tommy. I'm back again. Look at us. We are cranking out the episodes. I'm very proud of us. Um, and I'm proud of you guys for listening. So please let me welcome my guest to the show today, Brian Hipsher. How are you doing, Brian? Doing great. Doing great, Tommy. What's the weather like there in Columbus today? You know, it's kind of overcast, but it's warming up. Spring's on the way. That's awesome. Yeah, we got like, we got probably like three, three or four feet of snow, like where I live in like the last two weeks. And it's hopefully almost gone now, at least when yeah. the sun hits it. Nice. So, um, Brian, here's the deal, man. We do the same five questions every episode, and uh, let's just get started. Um, All right. First question, explain what you do today, and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I'm the chief marketing officer for Charlie's Philly Steaks today, and uh, in the industry, the restaurant industry, I actually started off... Um, with City Barbecue, uh, which is another uh, local Columbus uh, restaurant chain, but has kind of started to expand nationally. And I, I started there as uh, as their marketing leader, and uh, had a great a great time there, learning the barbecue business, uh, also kind of helping that brand from the very beginning. Um, you know, figure out how to do marketing and local store marketing. Uh, kind of building the technology infrastructure, et cetera, for, for that brand. Uh, and I went, I was there for about five years and I went to Bibibop Asian Grill, which is part of the Gosh Enterprises family um, of, of brands. So they have, uh, uh, Gosh has Charlie's Philly Steaks, Bibibop Asian Grill, and Lenny's uh, Subs, which is in, in Memphis. And I, so I started uh, with Bibibop and uh, and they, they're, uh, at the time, I think they had about 16 or 17 locations that got a few more than 40 now growing really fast. Uh, a lot of people compare it to the, uh, they call it an Asian Chipotle, uh, but it's a Korean inspired, uh, brand that makes bowls, um, uh, based on bibimbap meal, which is, it's fantastic. It's healthy. It's extremely on trend and it's, it's a wonderful place. Um, I really kind of help get them started, get, kind of got their structure set, uh, the, the processes and systems that they would need for rapid growth. And, um, and then I was asked to, to help out over at Charlie's 
which is a much larger brand, um, more than 600 locations. We're in uh, 30 different countries and wow. uh, franchise, you know, franchise organization as well. So some new, th- new and different challenges and things to figure out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my restaurant, uh, my, my restaurant path. Uh, you know, going back further before restaurants, I've done a lot of kind of different things from retail to uh, retail technology to even healthcare technology. So um, kind of kind of seen some different things and been able to bring those things with me. Uh, some of the learnings from there into the restaurant industry as well. So I'm interested about the healthcare and other stuff as well, just from a curiosity perspective. Uh, sure. So tell me a little bit about that, but then I want to circle back to marketing. Uh, yeah. You bet. Yeah. They're all, all kind of marketing roles that I had in those other organizations as well. Um, when I was in retail technology space, um, one of the things that interested me, uh, I'd, I'd done that for about 12 years. And um, the healthcare position was with a startup. And I had always had an itch for um, seeing what would that be like in a startup. And the, the, the company was a really exciting company that was changing telemedicine, uh, oh. where you could basically see a doctor remotely, um, had a great patent portfolio that we built there, um, had to learn a whole bunch, even change some laws out there for being able to make healthcare more efficient. So it was pretty, pretty neat, pretty neat opportunity. Um, sometimes help, sometimes startups don't work out though. And that was one of them that didn't. <laughs> and, uh, thankfully there was a good, a good opportunity with city barbecue after that one. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're sort of branching into healthcare a little bit too um, with our, my company um, because, you know, we manage repeatable process and healthcare is repeatable process. So yep. not so much on the patient care side, but like on um, just making sure everything's getting done kind of stuff. Um, sure. Yeah. And also startups have an alert and they're the funnest and the worst place to work. I worked a lot of hours. I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> it <was> nonstop, <laughs> but it was fun. It was, it was a passion. It was a passion. Yeah, so. Exactly. Like, and that's what fuels you when there's so much uncertainty and no money, you know, it's right, like, well, right. at least we're doing this unless you raise money, but then raising yep. money is its own beast, you know, what, it's, what was amazing about this one is they had a ton of money and they, it, they spent it really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's always the problem because if, yeah. you, if you can't show that return, they just chop it off. They yeah. don't care. It doesn't, oh yeah, we're going to give you $500 million yeah. at $10 million a month for the next, you know, 50 years. And, right. then, and by the way, if you miss your numbers on any given month, we'll just take it all back. <laughs> so, right. So that, that's the, that's the, uh, the hard part. Cause I, I constantly wrestle with, should we take money? Should we not take money? You know, with my company and it's just like i we haven't yet and uh and it's funny too because a lot of the people that want to invest in startups our size they're like well when you get to this number we can talk call me back and i'm like right. well, when I get to that number i might not even care about you that number like when i get to that number i'll be killing it there you go <laughs> uh, expectations buddy come on and that's what i told a guy the other day and he just started laughing but he's like yeah but we do this to get you to that next level i'm like yeah well that's a lot of headaches um so okay marketing now here's the thing we i think you're probably one of the first marketing guys we've had on the podcast Mm -hmm. um and so marketing is one of those subjects where like you know marketing is like i'm trying to think it's like saying i'm in healthcare well there's aspects to marketing right sure management uh like you touch on local store marketing you know there's so many different um 
you know, there's so many different uh, facets of it. Talk yep. about your role as a CMO because you're working at these brands and like, what are you kind of break it down a little bit more? I think. Yeah, you bet. No, I think that's a really common question. And they're, they're actually, even amongst marketers, there's a lot of different thoughts about what it is. Um, a lot of, a lot of folks that you'll go talk to founders, et cetera. When you say, Hey, they're looking for a marketing person. A lot of times with what they, what they really are trying to say is they're looking for someone that does advertising or someone who makes things look pretty, uh, or is someone who's creative. Um, and I, I take a more holistic view, I guess, of the discipline. Um, and you know, in in school, they'll teach you, you know, it's product, price, place, and promotion. And if you if you look at all four of those things, that's really what marketing is, in in, in my opinion. Um, and it does. It starts with the product. You know, like if, if you if your marketing people are not working on the product that you're actually selling. Um, then you're probably missing the boat. And, uh, you know, marketing folks should be really close to the customer, should be really close to the guests and understanding what what people want. And really, you know, that, that's, that's the marketer's job. Find those needs and fill them. If you do that, you don't need the other stuff as much. You don't need promote. You don't need to promote the product and spend a bunch of money promoting it if you make a great product. You know, people are, people would be beating down your door. So um, that... That's that's the challenge I think as a marketer is really creating that space to to help the company understand all the things that you can do um, to create a great product and then make sure that the world knows about it so that you can sell something. Sure, you know, I'm, so I I feel like we are amazing at executing marketing, but not great at the creative side of things, just personally. And like, mm -hmm. it took us a bunch of years to like really dial in um, what our value prop was. And what yep. was ironic about it was that our value, our value prop was told to us by one of our clients when we were interviewing them. And it was two degrees off of what we initially launched our marketing with, but it was that two degree change, you know, that 95 to 100% right there, that was all the difference. And yep. in the last year and a half, even through COVID, we've really dialed it in. But it was, you know, for a lot of years, it felt like, man, we were running full speed into the same brick wall every single day, like just playing our face right into it. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah. but if I, you can find I, your, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so no, sorry, say what you're going to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you can find your purpose, especially if it can come from a, a customer, that's yeah. that's golden. You know, that's what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we've always been technically very adept at marketing, like um, from you know just using online because obviously we're, we're a SaaS company, so mm -hmm. everything we do is online. Like, I don't have billboards or anything like that. Um, right. As a matter of fact, yeah. So, um, okay. So let's talk. Okay. So here's one thing I really want to talk about, because I think this is probably the most important part of marketing from a restaurant perspective. And, and I used to work at Quiznos, uh, yeah. you know, it's a big franchise organization. Charlie's is a big franchise. We have one yeah. of them all over by my house. Yeah. Um, it is local store marketing yeah. because national advertising, right? The big, you only like the event advertising, which I don't even know if you're doing that at Charlie's, but you know, let's just take like a McDonald's or one of these big brands are spending billions of dollars a year on this stuff. McDonald's, sure. Wendy's, whoever they're doing events, right? But they yep. only do four to, I mean, eight, nine events a year. They maybe some of them will do 12 events a year. That's a lot. 
You know what I mean? That's yep. a lot of marketing. That's a lot of expense. Um, you know, and, and that's generally also a lot of discounting as well. So yep. you know, people, the franchisees hate that. Um, I mean, they like the traffic drive, but they don't want to deal with, you know, BOGOs and whatnot. Right. Um, so that marketing, that happens. But, you know, if I'm a franchisee, that, that I can't control that. That's, you know, that's based off of how well our sales are doing, how big our ad fund is, how good our marketing team is, you know, blah, 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 blah. All these mm-hmm. things are out of my control. But local store marketing is in my control. But I remember that that was like pulling teeth to get people to do <laughs> local store marketing because they were like, no, I pay 5% for the ad fund, right? Yeah. So yeah. why should I, I have to do crap. You're taking 11% off the top. I don't need to do anything. You need to get people in this store. That was kind of the, that mentality of the franchisee. Yeah. Uh, I want to dive into that because at the end of the day, for all you franchisees that agree with me, you're wrong. You got to be local store marketing. It's your business. Ultimately, you go out of business. It's your debt. It's your credit. It was your dream. They got crushed. Yeah, the the franchisor will move on. So let's talk yep. about local store marketing. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, and I think we're we're a little lucky at Charlie's. Our our marketing fund is only one percent. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> lucky and unlucky, it makes it a little bit harder, you know, yeah, exactly. to do those kind of big national programs. But we actually have built in local store marketing that we do expect our franchisees to spend money. Um, on on local store marketing, we give them some workbooks, et cetera, to for the types of things that they can do. But you're absolutely right, Tommy. If if you are not in your community, um, if you're not known um, and and respected, really, for what you're doing in your community, you're going to have a, a lot tougher go at, at it. Um, and there's a lot of just really simple ways, you know, that you can build build your your company, you know, and your brand just right on your block, you know, own your block, you know, and then yeah. just kind of work your, work your way out from there. Uh, make sure that the people at the gas station and the hotels are recommending, you know, to come to you. And what's wonderful in the food business is you, you've got food as a weapon <laughs> that's yeah. in your arsenal. All you got to do is bring someone a cheesesteak yeah. or some French fries and they'll be your friend, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's key. Absolutely. My, my buddy owns a bunch of, well, he owned, I think he owns one now. He had three at one point, maybe even four, but Liberty taxes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you always see those guys during tax time. And if you drive by one, they have a statue of Liberty out front. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, they got the big, <laughs> they got the big flippy guy with the arms, yep. you know, the, which I actually own one of those personally, just to, ah, cool. yeah, I bought one at my last house to annoy my neighbors. Cause uh-huh. <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance to break it out of my new house, but I love that thing. And it's loud. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but it's one of the greatest investments I made um, in my life, actually. It's going to pay dividends for years to come. Yep. They, uh, but, you know, he's their whole thing is take Krispy Kremes to all the businesses in the area and just drop off dozens of donuts, right? Like that yep. was what they do. But you're right, Charlie's, you can take a cheesesteak sub and instead of like a 12 inch and you can cut that into four or five two inch subs, right? Like or six inch, you know, whatever, like sure like strips and you can take two of those to like a jiffy lube or you know or whatever just any business in your area that, that that's a very small expense yep but like you can take those businesses and you can feed everybody can get a taste of this sandwich and they're going to remember you right and absolutely gonna, you know send over and if you're consistent about it too i mean yes. we're we, we believe be, be generous i mean heck don't don't cut it in half just give them a sandwich i mean it, yeah. it just you know and if you if you can hit you know somewhere between three and six businesses each and every week, yeah, 
uh, you know, it, it, go out and spend two hours a week and just go and make, make some friends out in the community and yep. bring, make them smile. And you'd be surprised how that pays off in the end. Sponsor your kids' teams. Yep. You know, uh, definitely, you know, a, a big one for, we had a sub guy at Quiznos. We had a guy up in Minnesota and he was mm -hmm. actually doing okay during the 2008, 2009 period. When I was there, I visited him and he, he kind of dialed in with the car dealerships because the mm, car yep. dealerships want to keep all the salesmen on the floor on the weekends. They don't want anybody going out for lunch. So they bring in lunch. So it's those kind of little things that if you're out there, you know, you got to make those relationships in your community and you got to be proud of your business because, because that's, what's going to save you when you don't do a national campaign and there isn't a BOGO coupon drop. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's just nuts. For sure. So, For sure. Um, I have one more thing before we move on to the next question. Cause I'm just very curious about, and this is like, so everyone has to hear me because I'm in control. <laughs> um, but, what's it got when you're marketing, right? So you're in charge of marketing. How, like when you hear about, a, how do I put this? So I, I sell operations software, right? Like my whole uh -huh. software is to help make multi-unit operators more efficient, give data and visibility and all that stuff. Yeah. When, and when you're sitting in marketing and you hear about operations issues or operate, what, what does that do to you? Like, does that, yeah, that's a good question. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's all interconnected. Um, and really, if you think about it, the marketer is responsible for the guest experience just as much as the operations folks are. Um, you know, the, the operations folks are executing on that, the plan. But yep. the marketing team is hearing what is the guest experience? You know, what is it? And if you're inefficient, that's going to translate into an inferior guest experience. And that's going to then come back in, in, in my data and say, hey, there's a problem here. You know, maybe speed of service isn't working as, as well as it, as it should. Or your staffing is not in the right places. You know, uh, there's, there's all kinds of things that, that manifest themselves in the guest experience. So um, absolutely interested in that kind of data and, and, and that kind of information, because if I can make the guest experience better, there's going to be more of them coming in. Well, and I mean, if you think about it too, like from an incentive perspective, like obviously you're bonused on sales at some level, right? As a CMO, mm -hmm. like you're at that level C-suite where, you know, part of your comp is based on how well we're doing and how well your marketing, you know, your marketing is affecting the business, right? Positively, sure. negatively. So sure. from a selfish perspective, you want to make more money, right? And if like you have the best marketing plan in the world and then people walk into the restaurant and there's like a cat jumping off a table <laughs> in the bathroom and <laughs> one sure. guy in the grill you know it's impossible for you like you know it's impossible for you to achieve those goals so yep. you so and and i guess what i'm repeating back to you is you care about that and i would assume that you would exert pressure on the organization hey the ceo cfo or vp of ops dudes What's going on here? You know, look at yep. look, you're getting the customer satisfaction data. Is that the data you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. We we you know we are really hi highly tuned in with what our guests think. If you can think about all those reputation sites out there, you know yeah. the Yelps and Facebooks. Everyone has an opinion, you know, of how yeah. things are going, and we hear that, and we we try to help make things better. And no, you're absolutely right. If it's if it's a dirty store, or you know, there's things that aren't looking right. Um, th those things are all going to impact sales. 
and as a total team, you know, mar marketing is one one part of the team. Um, sure. We're talking, we're, we're all talking about how do we get the culture right so that it's not the work isn't as hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, because if your if your teammates are all bought into like, hey, here's why we're here, here's what we're trying to do, then it makes life a lot easier for everybody. Well, yeah, and I mean. I've been on, we've been doing a ton of these podcasts lately. Like I'm doing three or four a week right now. It's crazy. Um, which is like, this is my passion. Yeah. The podcast, guys, I enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's fun, but, um, you know, everyone's talking again about labor. Like labor was the problem three years ago, but it was just like, we have such high turnover. Now the problem is no one can find anyone to work because when the restaurant right. slowed down, the people that worked in the restaurant said, I gotta go somewhere else. You know, and they went and found other jobs. And so now people are having a real hard time, which, mm -hmm. you know, that translates to like, and, and culture really, truthfully, I think is probably the most important factor in running restaurants. Yeah. Because, you know, this is a highly transitional worker generally like, at the mm -hmm. lower end. You know, obviously not the GM level. I mean, they move, but they move within the industry for the most part. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's a highly, this is the kind of business where if you hate your job, then you don't have a problem. No calling, no showing. Because you're going to go find another job. And also, as an industry, we suck at running people's references. Like, I've literally fired someone at a P.F. Chang's, and then they walked across the street and went to legal seafood and got a job. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like it was literally like not even a street. I, I was it was a mall. They walked across the hallway in the mall and went to legal seafood and was waiting tables there within hours. You know what I mean? So yes. So culture will do more at the store level um, to lower uh, increase retention. I would say, I guess. Yeah. Turnover. Sure. Anything else? Absolutely. And and also, Absolutely. you can't teach. To be a good, you know, you can teach a lot of things, but you can't teach to be like a good boss, you know, like, like, yeah, a decent person. That's really, yeah. decision, you know, you know, for, for a lot of people, something that I've found and it's, it's really liberating. I think I had a great experience at city barbecue there. The culture at that company is just really amazing. Sure. Um, teaching people to be generous and to really care is um, it's actually not as hard as you might think. Really? It just requires you to to kind of deprogram people from all the things they've ever been, <laughs> yeah, the things that they've been taught to believe are true, like holding on to every penny so tight that you just can't let go. Yeah. And, and showing people what can happen when you like, just, hey, just try and see what happens if you just give someone something. Yeah. You know, it, the kind of joy that that can create with a guest. And once you see it happen and the, the smile that it brings, um, you, it, it pretty quickly starts to register like, wait a second, I, I get to make people happy. Like my job, I can actually bring a smile and make their day just a little bit better. And it's not going to be every single guest and it's not going to be every single situation, but you'll start to find and identify and see them and that kind of a thing. And if you can empower your your hourly workforce to see that and just to let them do it just to let them actually be generous yeah uh people will come back it will pay back more than you can possibly imagine and not only is it the selfish motivation of like hey i'm doing this so that i can get something in return but it's also pretty cool to just to, to be able to to do something good you know yeah 
you you know who was amazing at that was pf changs and yeah and like we were encouraged like i started there as a waiter and then i was like the trainer and then i went to management for a while and then i opened some stores so i kind of did the whole surf front of the house circuit there mm-hmm. and um you know and granted they had the food cost on lettuce wraps was like 36 cents an order right right so i mean but everybody can have a lettuce wrap within their business there's sure. always something i mean what are cookie bucks a quarter you know what I right, mean? right. It doesn't matter so like so but we were encouraged especially for first-time customers hey yep. have you ever been here before no you gotta have the lettuce wraps oh i forgot yep. about those i'm gonna buy them for you no problem yep. you know? and comp them out and because it was a reality 36 cents right it sure. i mean it was 6.95 opportunity cost but whatever yep. but i mean just doing that and also because they were so delicious were like made up you know it made people lifetime customers and back when i worked there which was back in the days i'm a 20 years ago, it's 20 years ago holy hell yep. 20 years ago um it was 2000 2001. you still remember yeah you're still talking about it yeah exactly i drive my wife crazy trust me i have like four <laughs> stories and i tell them constantly but yeah. like, <laughs> they uh but yeah but like i just remember that like it, it would lock people in you know what sure. i mean it would lock them in and well that's and, the same like for every listener even like you think about the restaurants that you go to today and which ones did you have a memorable experience at where it wasn't just a transaction? Yeah. You know, it's the memorable ones where you're like, I'm going back there. I have, I have, I have it's more than the food. It's the feeling that you get. Yeah. And in QSR, it's a little bit harder, right? Because, you know, we don't have as much interaction. It's more of a counter transaction, whereas a waiter, you might see five or six times sure. uh, throughout a meal. Um, and also, you know, you know, but you can still have personality, right? You can still be Absolutely. like, hey, let's do it. Hey, we got a burrito, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, yep. make some noise, make it fun. Those yep. are the, those oh, no, absolutely. Golden employees. Yeah. And, and also, like, into what we did as a manager, though, which was interesting, was I had 3% comps on any given night. Yeah. And so I managed to that. That was like, I had three KPIs I was constantly checking. Sales, comps, making sure I was at 3% and then labor. Mm-hmm. And I was always on the Aloha, like every 20, 30 minutes of swiping my card, double checking. Sure. Where are we at? <laughs> Some people would come in and be like, Hey, that's my landlord. Can I buy them like a $200 meal? I'm like, eh, we're kind of like high on comps right now. You can buy them a round of drinks or whatever. Right. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but you know, it's that kind of stuff. Like, and there's so many easy things too. Like, you know, like here would be an easy one to do for people. You know, you have the little water cups, just say, you got kids, don't buy them sodas. Here, just give them, I'll give them two small sodas. Is that cool? That's what the parents want anyways, right? But like, that's just showing that customer, wait, you actually get what me, right? Like I'm getting cheesesteaks and fries, but yeah, you're going to save me four bucks, you know, and it costs you a penny or five, whatever, nuts. Yes, indeed. I would encourage everybody who's in the restaurant industry, if you don't have a lettuce wrap item in your arsenal a low like an amazingly tasting low incredibly low cost item that you can comp out to everyone you know then you need to think about that because that's something that you need in your arsenal um because that is the thing that you can give away all day that's going to make people happy like garlic knots or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. you know, it costs nothing cookie pucks but you should absolutely do that um yeah. Cool.
So what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Yeah, so I've been at Charlie's uh, almost a year now. And I really, I just started right before COVID hit, which made life pretty darn interesting. And at that that time, um, we were really scrambling because our digital infrastructure just didn't exist. We, sure. we didn't have online ordering. We, we didn't have an app. We didn't have a lot of, a lot of the basics that we needed. So for the last year, um, I've just been kind of getting the tech stack all squared away. So we have all those things now and sure. uh, we, we put that in place really quickly. Um, and sometimes when you go fast, you, you maybe miss some of the, the things that the, the nice to haves. Yeah. Um, so we're going back and we're working on that, but the big the big project now is really looking at the brand in total, and really refreshing it um, and taking Charlie's, um, which really grew up kind of in the malls. If, you, if you're familiar with yeah. Charlie's, you'll, you'll pretty much every mall in the U.S. You, you'll find a Charlie's in the food court. Um, but a lot of our growth is really coming outside the malls now, and we're growing really fast that way. But that's a totally different business. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and so. Um, figuring out, well, how do you get people now to, to come to Charlie's as the destination um, and change the game a little bit there? And we've uh, we've really, I think we've cracked the code on that, finding the right kinds of locations um, and, and really being quite successful uh, outside the malls and really very, very strong performance during during the pandemic, actually, uh, as, as well. So that's that's been encouraging. Um, but we need to make a step now uh, for the way our brand is perceived and just how, how people even know about us because in, in the malls, you didn't really have to do marketing. You know, you're, you're in the yeah. mall and you're, Hey, I'm hungry. I walk over to the food court and you know, the definition of, you know, how do I get someone's attention is who has the brightest sign and yeah. um, you know, and a, maybe a big picture of food that looks really good, you know, and, and that, that works. Uh, but outside the mall, there's a whole, a whole different, thing going on. And people do care, you know, like, Hey, what's, what does it feel like when I go there? Uh, uh, or what, who is that place even? I, I you know, I, I don't know who we're, we're probably one of the largest, uh, uh, you know, restaurant chains that, that people don't really know about. Uh, we do awareness studies and they, they just don't know who Charlie's is. So right now we're working on working on that from a couple of different angles. One is just um, culturally, really defining who we are and what's important to us and getting that instilled into all of our teammates, all of our franchise owners. Uh, but then also what does that look like and what's the shift that we make uh, so that visually, you know, you can see it and start to identify it so that we, when we uh, start putting a lot of money behind that, uh, that we'll start to get that brand awareness. And then when you come into the restaurant to try us out, we'll, we'll live up to the promise uh, of, of what we said we were going to do. Sure. Now, this is what drives me crazy is when, and I, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of your logo and I believe it's a cursive Charlie's, but I could be wrong. It could be, if it's green, right? I haven't even, it's been it. all over the place. It's changed a lot over the years. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had different names. We were Charlie's steakery for a while. We were Charlie's grilled subs for a while. Now we're Charlie's uh, Philly steaks. Um, it's in a it's in a red oval today, and it's kind of block letters, kind of curved in a red oval. Yeah, that sign you're gonna have to blow it up to put it on a building. There's nothing. Yep. I, every time I see a sign that I can't read, I just go, 
someone <laughs> really screwed up here because the whole <laughs> purpose of a sign is that I could see yeah. it from far away and go there. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny you say that, Tommy, because literally last week um, got the final approval to move forward with a new a new storefront signage that's much, much easier to read. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're like driving by a strip center and you just see like a purpley like blob on the top of a building and you're like, that guy paid 10 G's for that and it is not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> like, come yep. on. Yep. I yep. paid a few hundred dollars for my Mr. Flippy balloon arms and like that would have been 10,000 times more effective. Yep. No, you're exactly right. <laughs> and are you going, are you going to have all the, because as you franchise out of the mall, right? Like it's a whole new world for you because yep. now you've got only yep. the signage, you've got to have the flags, you've got to have the signage that if the strip center will allow you to put like in the grass, sure. you know, you have all that stuff. Yep. Um, whenever I see brand wing stops, really good at that. Like the wing stop by my house, which yep. I mean, they obviously had a great COVID, but like that guy always mm. had, you know, additional flags and just stuff to catch your, you know, your eye. Sure. Are you yep. looking? No, to definitely. Free, oh, sorry. I was going to say, are you looking to do freestanding or strip center or both? We, we have both. We have both. And, um, you know, we, we have some drive throughs now that are just performing right. phenomenally. Um, sure. There's a lot of competition for those. But, you know, there's a number of brands out there that didn't do so well, uh, you know, that, yeah. that some of these uh, some of these drive throughs are actually opening up. Uh, but that's what's, what's exciting for us is, you know, we, we have so many franchise owners today that are in the mall that we have that installed base when we're, yeah. when we say, Hey, there's some opportunity outside the mall. Now it's, it's a no brainer for them, especially when they see kind of what we've been doing, um, outside the malls. So, and, and, you know, I would just tag on to that, that this is where also, so there's so few reasons. It's so hard to get people to operate really well. Like you have to really want to do it and understand it. And obviously the best way to prove to people that like running clean, great, super good customer service, all that stuff really does work is when you can take a look at like audit scores and, and tie them to sales. And then you can, you can tell that story across the chain. But now that you guys are growing outside the mall, you have a massive incentive for certain operators to say, look, you can't get another store and I'm going to put 10 in your area, right? Because mm -hmm. you have a dense area that loves this brand. You're not getting yep. any more stores until you bring these four stores up to par, right? So now you have a real financial incentive. Like, do you want to be the small fish in the bigger pond of this area where we're going to put 20 Charlies? You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. Together, and you have a real world incentive to make people go. Um, and I've always thought that we should be tying ops excellence to marketing as a way to, it's a dual win because one, you have a better operating restaurant, which in theory should make more sales for your company, better represent your brand and make more money for the franchisee. But throwing marketing dollars as a reward for great operations, also just, it comes right back into your pocket through franchise fees. So it's a kind yeah. of, you, know, you get a part, part of it back, right? And well, and it's so interconnected to the franchise owners, you know, they, they know what the other guy's up to, you know, yeah. th th that's just across town. Cause if, if they're not doing a good job, that reflects on their business and th they'll hear about it. Like, Hey, oh, yeah. I, we used to go to this guy over there, but man, something's about that place. isn't so great. I'm going to come over to this one <laughs> instead, yeah. you know? So, uh, yep. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's interesting stuff. That's cool. Uh, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? 
Yeah, you know, I think the most recent one, like top of mind, just happened a couple of days ago. Um, and it it's, might seem small, but after I was thinking about it a little bit, I think it's I think it's a little bit bigger. Is uh, Facebook right now? Yeah. And what's going on with Facebook? Um, you know, we we use Facebook, and it, a lot of restaurants use Facebook to to build brand awareness, to engage with their guests, and all that kind of stuff. And just the other day, they shut off like seventeen of our restaurants. And they Why? said it was. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, they said it was a. You know, we got a, an automated email from them that said we had violated some community guideline with no explanation of what it was. You know, we we spend a lot of money with Facebook. We don't have an account manager that we can talk to. Yeah. Um, so there, there's no way to contact them. You send them emails, it goes into a, a black hole, and. Uh, and just the the way that it works and the the way things co- are constantly changing there and even as a even as a facebook user myself uh you know the way that it looks from the guest experience if i'm a, if i'm a customer of facebook it's it's changing so much you know so i'm not i'm really curious to see i guess what happens with facebook uh both as a tool for marketers to use to reach reach their guests but also if if they're going to be treating their cut their clients who are spending lots and lots and lots of money with them, um, the way that they're treating them, that I think that's that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, so that 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 one that one's right now keeping me up at night because I know yeah. I've got seventeen franchise owners saying why I invested a lot of money, you know, building a following for these local pages, and they're yeah. just gone. They're gone. <laughs> you know, so what what next? And- um, and I think what it is too is it could be literally, and I don't know this, but you remember at the beginning, everyone yelled at Yelp, right? Like, because Yelp was putting yep. like bad reviews up and they were monkeying around and they weren't the best corporate partner because I think they got in a bunch of private equity and VC money yeah, yeah. And to grow. So they were just doing whatever they could to get money in that door. And I, I don't know if that's still the case. I mean, but whatever. But the big complaint always was that oh, these are my competitors screwing me up, right? My all these mm-hmm. bad reviews aren't customers telling me that I suck. These are my competitors. Right. But then Yelp figured out. Well, there's you know there's ways to figure that out. IP addresses and user yep. accounts. They could they could figure out who was being naughty and they kind of squashed it a little. But it took them a while and it, I'm sure it hurt some people temporarily for some time. But with but but you bring up a very interesting point and it's, ter- it's kind of a terrifying point of where we live in a world today and we're all figuring it out. Right. Which is mm-hmm. like platforms, Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Yelp, they have immense amount of power. Yep. And there's really no check and balance in there. And they do a very poor job because they're, they don't want to have employees talking to people, you know, they sure. do a poor job of, you know, of managing some of this stuff. And they really like, I know they're trying to use AI and and offshore workers to look at some of these things, but Mm. yeah, or bots, but I mean, it is really, uh, they just need to kind of figure it out because because like, who is your customer at Facebook? Your customer is the guy who's paying money for the, to get the click. That's your customer. the people that are just out there using your platform for free are not your customers. It's the businesses that are paying for the clicks that are driving the billions of dollars in revenue. So you yes, should indeed. be business friendly. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yes LinkedIn, indeed <laughs> linkedin there too we used to get so when we first joined linkedin they didn't really have ads yet they just did groups groups was their big way to communicate to people mm -hmm. and when we first got on in 2015 with this company you know i could go out to all these restaurant groups and i could drop i could literally had it set up with one of those other third party programs where i could put a post out and i could do 50 groups in like literally five seconds mm -hmm. and I yep. groups, like some of these restaurant groups have a hundred thousand people in them so sure. you know i could blast out to 150,000 people now if five people saw it i was probably lucky uh -huh. but like i could we could do that and we were following ryan dice uh the machine i don't know if you ever heard of him he's like a, he's uh from a b2c perspective this guy's made like hundreds of millions of dollars yeah he all these companies he's just a machine on digital marketing and he also has digitalmarketer.com we were following him so we were posting content and emails like five days a week which for a business to business thing that you're going to pilot and you know take three months to make a decision on yeah was dumb this is a waste of time <laughs> but like we were i mean we were killing ourselves writing all this content you know what i mean yeah and uh, and then they then like linkedin would swam us which you can't even find like you don't even know what's happening this is how like insidious it was i could see my posts but no one else could so i had no clue my posts weren't going through it's a very passive aggressive way of tampering you down so if they thought you were posting too much to the communities and like not being in the spirit of the community and fostering conversations, they could swam you for two weeks and none of your posts went out, but you saw them. So if <laughs> someone else had to go look for your post and go, I don't see it. And then you knew you were swimming. They wouldn't even notify you. You'd have to go on to their little chat, you know, and blah, blah. And then they would go, oh yeah, you've been swam. They wouldn't even tell you when it's going to come off. You know, it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's scary how much power um these companies can have and yeah. you really don't you really can't do anything about it so yeah it, it's interesting and i mean it's funny too is that print's been making a return like postcards mm. i've heard but you know i throw them all away but yeah <laughs> but it's so funny because i literally throw all the postcards away but then like every six months me and my partners will be like should we have a postcard <laughs> I should probably spend thousands of dollars doing that. <laughs> There's some good stuff with everyday direct mail that you could do. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I'm going to toss it in the trash when I see it personally. But, you know, yeah. I'm sure these guys won't. It's totally worth it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, next question. What is the one thing you thought the industry would be doing right now that it isn't? And it could be marketing. It could be, yeah. it could be anything. You know, I mean... I, there are a lot of restaurants that are hurting right now. And I, I guess I, I thought maybe it'd be worse than it seems to have been, really been. Cause there's, there's a lot of restaurants that are doing quite well too, given, you know, so it's that, that really surprised me just to kind of see like, you know, if you had a drive through and craveable indulgent food, yeah, you're doing pretty well. Um, yeah. If you, it, it if you were, if you weren't, um, that you could be struggling, but also those, there isn't as much consolidation, I guess, as I thought, or not as many bankruptcies as I thought. And I think that's great that people are able to hold on, whether it's the government that's been helping to, to, to hang on. And I hope that we're able to, it seems like we're, we're, we're right around the corner here where things are going to be pretty good. Um, so I guess that was maybe a little, a little bit of a surprise. Um, I imagine there's going to probably be a lot more acquisitions coming up um, sure. as we come out of this. Um, you know, either 
looking at real estate grabs or <laughs> whatnot for for some of these restaurants that are out, that are out there that did did struggle. And a lot of those restaurants, I guess, were just the ones even before the pandemic. You know, weren't weren't maybe in the best position. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, like for instance, uh, Gordon Biersch that that uh, well, they're in Colorado. Gosh, I can't yeah. But they were going bankrupt anyways, right? Yeah. So this just accelerated it for them. Sure. You know, what surprised me is one of the things that surprised me so much is seeing all the brands that such the heavy emphasis and focus on off-premise, which, you know, before the pandemic, people were st- looking at that, like, hey, how do we improve our off-premise game? You know, third-party delivery, all that kind of stuff to the, to the point where now there's just such a hyper-focus on it. And I wonder if that if that pendulum is maybe going to swing too far the other way where, you know, restaurants are now creating their, 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 you know, the restaurant of the future for each brand and yeah. they're much smaller dining rooms, yep. you know, and extreme focus, like, you know, triple drive-through lanes and all this kind of stuff. I, I almost wonder if that's not going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy to some extent where it's like, okay, your dining room is real small. So now people can't eat in. So yeah, you're going to look like you do more off premise. Um, but maybe people did want to eat in, or maybe people did, did want to escape their car or their home and, sure. and have a have a nice meal. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it is. I was just talking to a guy yesterday who's in your kind of your area. Um, he's in in the in Indiana, right? Uh, yeah, Penguin Point. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but uh, and he was saying because he had worked, he started his career at McDonald's and uh, Burger King, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about play places and I was just like, you know, what is the future of play places? Because anybody who has young kids knows that every time you drive by a McDonald's, they're like, we gotta go in there, we gotta go to play place. Oh, you know, they go insane. You know, and how much money did that generate? Because, you know, most, like, I mean, a lot of, like a lot of adults are like, I don't really want to eat McDonald's. <laughs> but, you know, my kids, if my, but I can talk to my spouse why my kids run around that, you know, sure. rocket ship for 30 minutes. It's <laughs> right, <better>. right. <laughs> So, yep. and and by the way, I'm not a McDonald's hater. I love McDonald's. I yeah. work all the time. I try to as much as I can, but you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it is interesting. Um, well, and I kind of felt like we we're going in this direction anyways. Uh, you know, yep. when you look at the struggles of the bar and grill, for instance. Yep. Um, and then, you know, now I have to temper this with my own perception because I live in the suburbs now. I have two mm-hmm. kids. We're doing a lot of sports. So the idea of going to an Applebee's and having and watching the game and eating riblets is just not on my radar. <laughs> sure, sure. So, and I, obviously Applebee's is a chain that's been struggling for the last couple of years trying to get it yeah. back because they were huge and they are still huge. That's what's crazy. They are mm-hmm. still huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I've been looking like in my mind where I, I've seen us going is you have – Fast food, which would be like, you know, your typical friend, you know, drive through McDonald's, whatever. You're going to have QSR, right? Like tr- yep. guys and other brands where you can either order it through a drive through walk in, get it delivered, whatever, easy. But you're just going to, you're going to a counter, but you're sitting down. And then yep. you have the bar and grill. And, you know, with technology today, like Zios kind of started this, but I, I actually think like Zios is already out of, uh, in my opinion, I don't want to touch that tablet. I have a phone. Just let me do the same exact thing on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Tablet, and I don't want my kid pushing the button and then playing that game and costing me four bucks, which pissed me off a couple of times. And like, uh, but you know, like I feel like you're not going to have waiters in the middle anymore. Like you'll have food runners and bussers. Yeah. 
Um, and then you'll go to, and then you won't, so it'll be all some form of digital or counter service until you hit the really expensive restaurants. And then you'll yep. have a great waiter who knows wine and a sommelier and you're good, but you're going to spend two or $300 for that meal. I feel like yep. that's where we were going. And I, I wonder if that's being accelerated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. <laughs> and it will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're right because everybody like you see that Burger King thing. It's like six lanes of like drive right. the restaurant of the future. Like they were all yep. over nation, nations uh, restaurant news with that thing. Yep. Um, yeah, I think drive through cheesesteaks is huge. Oh and yeah, you do good curbside too, so I can order in my car and just show up, and it's like ready to go within a minute or two. I feel like that yep. would be awesome. We've been working on that one. We have that in a few of our restaurants, but. Uh... I was actually talking to a guy just the other day about drone delivery. And that, that's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's fascinating. And I, it, part, part of me says, is it really going to happen? The other part says it doesn't, it won't surprise me at all. If you see drones zipping around delivering food, it's pretty, pretty impressive. The, you know, the biggest, the here it will, I think it will happen. And I think it'll happen really soon um, because, and here's why Uber like Uber, Lyft, all these guys, they got to get rid of the employees. Like the government, mm -hmm. like they're coming down on this and you got to trade these guys 18 bucks an hour. Got to give them health insurance. No, it's a gig economy. It's all they're supposed to do is show up and work when they want to work and they get a little cash. Like you're ruining it. Right. And so mm -hmm. that's the probably the taxi unions are probably the biggest proponents of getting Uber and everybody to paying a livable way, you know, paying more mm -hmm. money and stuff because it's put such a squash on their businesses. Right. But those businesses could charge less if they didn't have to pay the drivers as much as they do. And a drone, you, you'll pay for a drone in three weeks, you know? Sure, so sure. You, so, and, and also, they'll get these drones so dialed in so fast because of just collecting all that data. But, like, these guys are all funded by uh, – so all those companies are, that I mentioned, Uber, DoorDash, they're all funded by VCs anyways. So they'll give them $100 million to solve the drone issue. You know what I mean? They don't care because they see that in the future, you know, I can spend $100 million on, you know, 100 million drones or, you know, a, a million yep. drones. And all of a sudden, this is like just printing money. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Well, they're saying they can do like 10 deliveries uh, an hour in a three-mile radius for for less than DoorDash. Wow. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, literally, you walk outside, you it'll change your bag a little bit, right? Like you're gonna have to mm -hmm. go to a plastic bag with reinforced handles and maybe a ziploc on the top. So your bag will go up a little bit of money just so yep. it's warm, right? Yep. Um, but other than that, or actually maybe not. It's it's not faster. It. That's the that's the thing. They, you know, five minutes. From from your door to door, yeah. And I'm gonna be sitting outside with my shotgun, just getting free. Yeah, <laughs> just ready for it. That'll be the that'll be the interesting thing, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because I think Pizza Hut's been uh, no, Domino's, excuse me, um, has been working on a driverless car, right? Like, and they actually have yep. yep. inside of it, watch it, watching it go. And the big thing that they couldn't crack, right? was mm -hmm. it's fine for rural area or suburbs it, it, it's totally doable in the suburbs right because you know it's a one minute walk from my front door to the pizza hut the domino's truck that just texted me to tell me it's right in front of my house come get my pizza 
But the problem with cities, right? Because apartment building. So if I'm 40 floors, it's a seven minute commute. Are people going to want to deal with that versus, you know, whatever. But then I just say, hey, give them a discount. Like, you know, it's 18 bucks, but we know you live in an apartment, so we'll make it 16, you know, yep. to come on down and get it. A convenience fee, a reverse yep. convenience fee, you know? <laughs> the inconvenience fee. Yeah, there you right? go. It's, a, it's an inconvenience credit. There you go. That's what we call it. Look at us marketing away. <laughs> um, yeah, that drone, that's interesting. I, I want to meet yeah. that Guy. I'm gonna get hey you gotta give me that get drunk guy's number. I'm gonna put him on this podcast because I gotta talk. We'll to do. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we're at the last question, I guess. Uh, All right. Which is uh, recount the funny. Give me a war story. Give me a war story. I want something I'll give you a, laughable. You know. Yeah, maybe here's here's one that was kind of funny. It's it's no one will uh, no one will respect me anymore. But when I when I work for a city barbecue, uh, part of my job was to go all around the country and eat eat barbecue. Yeah. Uh, because we wanted to be the best so we went out and would 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 you know see what was out there and what people were doing. And also as we were looking at new places to grow, you know, I'd go out there and I would uh, eat a lot of barbecue in, in those areas. So uh, we were ex we were expanding to the Atlanta area and I went there and uh, I ate it was 3 days straight of just nonstop. Oh. And and it was, I mean, it hurt. Like you eat until yeah. it hurts and then you kind of keep going and you get the food coma and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> it, it, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, just takes a little nibble and then, you know, spits it out. I, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy barbecue. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm eating all the barbecue and uh, I, I came home in a, a cup. It might've been a day or two later. Both of my toes started hurting really bad. You got gout. And, uh, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, what the, what is going on? Like, my toes, they really hurt really, really bad. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, what have you been doing? Well, I did eat protein for like three days straight. You just nonstop. <laughs> Salted meats. Oh, that's yep. hilarious. Yep. <laughs> and you should have, you should have gotten some sort of bonus for that or like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of kept it on the down low. Cause I was like, you tell people you got gout. They think maybe something else is going on, but <laughs> or, or just in general, like your, your boss is like, dude, he would stop you from being able to do that in the future. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't want to have to have that. That was a good time. <laughs> uh, house at home and he's killing himself. Yep. <laughs> I do a lot. I have a green egg and I'll smoke a lot of meats and, uh, but I can only eat a meat maybe two times like if I, yep. so i'll make a 20 pound brisket or a you know, yep. brisket and i can have brisket but that day and maybe one more meal and then i'm like uh, i just can't eat anymore I, I, <laughs> oh that's hilarious you got gout from barbecue. Oh, so. um oh well brian it was a real pleasure do you want to uh do you want to plug anything uh your website or your restaurant group uh, what do you want to yeah Hey, yeah, go check out Charlie's. Uh, you know, we're, we're probably not too far away. Uh, we've got a new product called the Chicken Italiano Cheese Steak, which is really great. So maybe you can give that a shot. And uh, yeah. Cool. And I'll put the website up there for everybody. Uh, Brian, it was great to have you on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, thanks awesome. for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, Tommy. Have a great one. You're very welcome. Okay. Hey, guys, uh, we are cranking out the interviews. So just keep listening. I'm, I'm about to drop. A, I'm about to get a bunch of them on SoundCloud. So uh, you will see that we've got about 
uh, eight or nine new ones popping out here very shortly. Take care, everybody.